1: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're working our way through the seventh chapter of the book of Mark. As we open with verse 14, Jesus has just humiliated the Pharisees, the hypocritical religious leaders of the day, who had again tried to discredit Jesus in front of the people. And as always, their attempt backfired. And now he turned to the crowd and to his disciples to teach them another profound lesson. The question on the table, where does evil come from? What is it that defiles a man and makes him commit evil and guilty of evil? Jesus rejects the idea that it's something outside of ourselves, something we may find in our circumstances, maybe something that someone else does that is responsible for our sinful responses. Well, where does it come from? All you will ever need to commit every evil from the smallest to the greatest is always right there, not at your fingertips, but in your heart. Why do you, no matter who you are, need Jesus as your Savior? The answer is right here. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, Heart Disease. Well, come
0: with me to Mark chapter 7, and in case you didn't hear or don't remember the sermon from the first 13 verses of this chapter. Please uh, listen online or get yourself a CD and listen to this, because what we deal with today is, is powerful on its own, to be sure, as was the previous 13 verses. But neither the sermon on 1 through 13 nor the sermon on 14 through 23 are truly complete without the other, because this is a, a unit of thought. We just can't squeeze it all into the time we have on one... Sunday morning. Remember the context. Remember the setting. It's very near the end of Jesus' great Galilean ministry where He spent over a year uh, focusing primarily on the northern region of Galilee. And the Pharisees in Galilee have been after Him. They have argued with Him, fought with Him, reasoned with Him, and they've lost every argument over endless man-made Sabbath rules and other aspects of their system of self-righteousness. So they called for reinforcements. They sent down to the um, Pharisees in Jerusalem to ask them to send in the big guns to take on Jesus. So a group of Pharisees from Judea, along with some of their scholars known as the scribes, came to pick yet another fight with Jesus. didn't go well. They were humiliated and furious up in Galilee over the popularity of Jesus. They heard His claims to deity and they rejected them outright, despite the mountain of evidence in the form of His miracles and the authority with which He spoke. So with the support of these leaders from down south in Jerusalem, the Pharisees up in Galilee had had declared that everything Jesus did and everything He said, He did it all by the power of Satan. But that didn't help their cause. Crowds still flocked to Jesus. There was only one thing that ever thinned the crowds around Jesus in Galilee during His extended ministry there, and it had nothing to do with His opponents. It was Jesus' own words. Because He took those thrill-seekers and called them to total commitment to follow Him, and uh, that led to what we read in John six sixty six. as a result of this, this what? This call to commitment. As a result of this, many of His disciples withdrew and were not walking with Him anymore. But the crowds kept coming. Uh, This time, the attack of the Pharisees was going to be different. This time, they, they went after Jesus not for claiming to be God, not for claiming to be the Messiah, not for His connection with John the Baptist, not for violating one of their silly Sabbath rules. This time they went after him for not submitting to some of the minutiae of the rules and regulations for spirituality, which they had made up and added to the scriptures. In other words, they were the quintessential legalists. What do we mean by legalist or the concept of legalism? Legalism is adding anything to the Scripture as a standard for spirituality and expecting others to live up to it. That's what legalism is. The Pharisees attacked Jesus because His disciples clearly did not submit to a ritual washing of hands that they had come up with that was based on a superstition and a mystical absurdity that they had adopted. They added all kinds of things like that to Scripture. We get a sense of just how bad it was because uh, in the days of Jesus, this was all oral tradition. and There was an ever-growing mountain of oral tradition. But about 200 years after Jesus, some rabbis undertook the, the project, especially one in particular, of, of collecting all of these things and writing it down. And It's in a, a multi-volume work called the Talmud. From the Talmud, we read things like this. A prophet and an elder, to what are they likened? To a king... And I'm sorry, prophet will refer to an Old Testament author, an elder referring to one of the rabbis. A prophet and an elder, to what are they likened? To a king sending two of his servants into a province. Of one he writes thus, Unless he show you my seal, believe him not. Of the other, thus... Although he shows you not my seal, yet believe him. Thus it is written of the prophet, he shall show thee a sign or a miracle. But of the elders, thus, according to the law which they shall teach thee. In other words, if it's a prophet of the Old Testament, demand corroborating miraculous evidence. If it's one of the rabbis, believe anything he says, do exactly what he says. Solely on the basis of His Word. In other words, they taught that Scripture was subordinate to the teachings of their elders. If you doubt that, they also wrote this. The words of the elders are weightier than the words of the prophets. How much more clear can you get than that? And by the way, it's not just from the first century What does the Roman Catholic Church say? Anything they say supersedes Scripture. They are the only qualified interpreters of Scripture. This this concept is alive and well in the world today. They also wrote this one. The words of the scribes are lovely above the words of the law. For the words of the law are weighty and light... But the words of the scribes are all weighty. There's some heavy things, some light things in the Scripture, but we say it, it's heavy. And the specific one that they invoked on Jesus' disciples, I showed you this last time, was this one, Shibta is an evil spirit which sits upon men's hands in the night. And if any touches food with unwashed hands, that spirit sits upon that food and there is danger from it. And they weren't talking about soap and water and germs. They were talking about a ritual, mystical, super hyper-spiritualized, superstitious washing of your hands to get the cooties off of them. It was absolutely absurd. But they elevated it to more important than Scripture. So, today we're going to talk about Mark 7, 14 through 23, we'll see it in three points. Number one, why legalism never works. Number two, what can't defile you. And number three, where the problem lies. This will be pretty straightforward, building on what we've already learned. Let's start with why legalism never works. The fundamental issue then is the same as it is now. When it comes to legalism, you have to ask yourself, is the Bible true and is it sufficient? Scripture itself is quite clear. Famous passage, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. There is not one single good work you could ever do for the glory of God that the Scriptures will not equip you to be ready to do that good thing. The scribes and the Pharisees flagrantly rejected that concept. They had things more weighty, more necessary. Or there's the famous saying in 2 Peter 1, verses 2 and 3, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine nature has granted to us, perfect tense, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Through knowing Jesus Christ, which comes only through the Scriptures, you have everything you need for life and godliness. Or consider this passage from the pen of King David in the Old Testament Scriptures that they said they could overrule. Psalm 19, starting at verse 7, "...the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.